Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box... The coronavirus takes hold of the Australian TV industry as Foxtel let 200 staff go, but hire more staff to deal with customer cancellations. Stan challenges Foxtel for their HBO contract. The Australian government steps in to help the media industry and manages to not help. Exclusive Big Brother news from our man in the know, Ben Norris, and the cast and crew of Neighbours go back to work. Kind of. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to TV Black Box, back after our Easter break. Podcast Uncle Rob has taken the week off after a gruelling first day at work for him. So it's me at Steve Mulk back in the hosting chair for another week of controversy. After hearing this week's show, I'm confident he'll be back next week quick smart. Joining me this week on the good ship Titanic is the ever-dependable and always-in-the-know at Benjamin J. Norris. Welcome, Ben. Hey, guys. Very excited to be back. It felt very strange to have the week off, and I sort of forgot how to do all of this, so I um, was, I'm sorry for being late. Mate, you're fine. Uh, congratulations on the launch of the Ben, Rob and Robbo show today. Yes, that's right. Uh, doing two jobs for Robert McKnight in one day is is a lot, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun at the same time. So hopefully people tune in and get to listen to the Ben, Robin, Robbo show and enjoy it. It's particularly a big job when he doesn't turn up to the second one. Yeah, exactly right. But I'm here and I love every single person that is on the panel tonight. So I'm very excited for tonight for, t- for this episode. Great. Uh, she's still in Texas, we think so. Uh, let's all hope that the Lone Star is shining down on her and our favourite donkey as we welcome at Shrimp Tank herself. Hello, Sarah. Morning, y'all. I am still in Texas, coronavirus-free, unlike 19,000 other people here. Uh, and mm. no donkey this week. We are at the house, not at the ranch. This episode is over. <laughs> <laughs> Bring How back will we the know donkey. what happens to... I'm sure we'll cause controversy on the fact that I'm going back and forth between my first house and the ranch, which apparently <laughs> Ivanka Trump is not allowed to do. Oh, gosh. I don't even need to get into that. Um, right. He's our exercise go-to guy who managed to get his guns in at least one publication in the last fortnight, and there's many hoping he'll reveal more in the coming weeks. He's our former editor, currently known as at Viscount Brookie. It's the ever-fabulous Stephen Brook. G'day, Brookie. Good day, Malk. I have come up with the perfect ISO story for everyone. Yes. Which I actually did uh, last Thursday in a sampling exercise, combining the two really hot things at the moment, which is homeschooling, number one, yep. uh, and number two, drinking from home. <laughs> I did an online champagne tasting workshop. That's amazing. You sound like every parent who's had to become a teacher has just gone, <laughs> we need something, and drinking at home at midday is it. Yep. Yeah, and I don't even have any kids, so I've got no excuse. No excuses at all. And our very next guest uh, rounds us out, to, and she's enjoying her wine as we speak, tagging <laughs> in from our baby sister podcast, TV Binge Box. We always love when at Joe Casamento One steps in as a more than capable replacement for those fallen in the line of duty. It's the realest housewife Aww. we can find. G'day there, Joe. G'day, yes. Real Housewives of Maroubra here. I'm drinking a rosé. Actually, I should be drinking, <laughs> what, Passion Pop, should I? I think so. <laughs> I drop a Budget's choice. Budget's tight, and that's where we're at at this point. Now, before we move on, and with three quarters of the TV Binge Box family present, we should remind you about our podcast, our other podcast, kicking on every Thursday morning. Joe, why should people tune in to They TV should Binge tune Box? in because we're fun and fabulous, and we don't really know what we're doing, but in doing that... 
we are giving viewers um, a very big insight into what's out there while they're in lockdown. What shows to watch, what not to watch. It's a community service we offer. It is. A, it, that is exactly it. And we are, we are doing good things for those out there that need to know what's on the box. Brookie, what's our group binge this week? Well, you might know it as one of the most hotly anticipated dramas of the year ripped straight from the headlines. Its official title is Informer 3838. It's coming to the Nine Network on Monday nights. Mm -hmm. I, however, am calling it by what it should be called, which is Underbelly Lawyer X. Nice. So it's the Nicola Gobbo story. She was the defence barrister for Melbourne's gangland mobsters who, in a twist nobody saw coming, became a police informer. And not only does she have a Royal Commission to her name, but she's also got a Channel 9 miniseries. So join us as we dissect that. Yes, bingo, bango. Lots of returning cast from the Underbelly series, reprising roles. Ella Scott Lynch in the uh, the ultimate title there. And look, quite frankly, we could just turn this into an episode of TV Binge Box right now, but I think um, Uncle Rob would get mad. So... We need to get on to our main stories for the week, starting Monday, the 20th of April, 2020. In a move that rocked the industry, Foxtel made redundant over 200 staff and stood down more than 140 due to cost-cutting measures, thanks largely to the COVID-19 sports cancellation issues. The pay TV service has been left with a tiny number of staff to push buttons and keep the lights on as they tighten their belt in an attempt to wait out the effects of the pandemic. Foxtel CEO Patrick Delaney sent a lengthy email to staff after the cull, saying, in part, Foxtel remains a great Australian company and a part of life for millions of Australians. Our service has never been more important as people spend an extended period at home. To be there for them, as difficult as it is, we must continue to transform Foxtel and ensure we come out the other side even more important than we are now. Brookie, none of this is good news for the Australian media industry, is it? No, it's horrifying. And we have talked a lot over the years about Foxtel's problems. But despite whatever doomsday scenarios we discussed, Foxtel always had sport. Mm. And now, in 2020, it doesn't. Even before coronavirus took hold and the AFL and the NRL had to cancel their seasons or postpone, outcome unclear... We already knew that Foxtel and its sister streaming sports service, KO, were in big trouble. In the three months to February, KO had reported it lost 32,000 subscribers, and that apparently was due to the slow, disappointing cricket season. So they were relying on football codes as their, their salvation. Foxtel have got many problems, not the least of which is intense competition. There's 21 free-to-air digital channels. The streaming services, I've kind of lost count. Is, is it around 18? Uh, At least. In, in, yeah, which are direct rivals for chunks of Foxtel's business. The KO project showed that Foxtel was trying to convert itself into a streaming business. And with sport... Uh, and the contracts it had tied up around a multitude of Australian sports, it had an offering no one else could match. All of that has been suspended. We should never forget that Foxtel has borrowings of $2 billion. Two chunks of that debt are due in July, only a couple of months away, one worth $80 million, the other worth $400 million. So it is not surprising that they are cutting staff as they bunker down for a horror 2020. Yeah, this is the coldest winter that that, uh, Foxtel could face. Joe, um, given that $480 million is about to land on Foxtel's pay-up-or-else doorstep, um, has the coronavirus simply fast-tracked what looks to be the inevitable? Look, I think you are absolutely right there, Malk, because... I actually think Foxtel, and I, first of all, I do want to say I have a lot of friends in that building mm. and uh, they are some of the most wonderful, beautiful, talented, loyal, you know, great mm. souls in the media. So my heart goes out to those and any of those that have had to face redundancies like many of us. Having said that, though, I do believe Foxtel, Foxtel as a whole has really had it too good for too long. 
it has been over bloated. It has been overcharging for what is uh, for many of their services for such a long time. And they've really gotten away with a lot. And I have to say that because, you know, when I reassessed my finances a few years ago through divorce, etc., and you yes. look at what you're paying, you do see uh, how ridiculous ridiculous the Foxtel payments are compared to the streaming services and what you get as what you pay for. So I think, I hate to say it, but uh, they're now paying the price for not readjusting their platform for years ago, for not probably perhaps seeing streaming services as a a direct threat. Um, They had the TV shows, you know, they have all those things, but they've been overcharging and the tiered packages um, I know even my ex-husband recently <laughs> tried to get rid of his Foxtel because <laughs> of the sport, which mm. obviously isn't being played, and that's the only reason many men have it, I believe, is for their sport packages, and now the NRL, et cetera, isn't on. This season they've tried to get rid of it, and I don't even think Foxtel you know, basically said all the drama would go and it's not worth taking that out of it. So I think if you haven't got a huge household budget at the moment, as everyone tightens their belts, Foxtel is going to be one of the things that is going to go on many people's monthly outcomes, a a monthly outgoing. To me, Joe, they're like the David Jones of television. Exactly, overinflated. (laughs) Too little service for, for not a great service. That's very true. Brookie. And and I hate to say it because, as I said, it's a wonderful service and there are great shows. Wentworth, uh, you know, Game of Thrones is one that springs to mind that you can't really see or gone. Game of Thrones no longer. So, exactly. uh, Brian Walsh has been out and about, the head programmer, and he's acknowledged the difficulties, but he's saying audiences are up. Sky News is booming. Gogglebox, Selling Houses Australia are getting very good figures. He was lamenting, he's saying very strong in Australian lifestyle, but he was lamenting that they don't have a drama to replace a place to call home. Mm. And he acknowledged that Wentworth was coming to the end of its life. So yep. they've got a lot of, they're fighting fires on all fronts. Mm. Just Certainly. a quick question when it comes to Wentworth, though. I mean, they've just recorded, they're halfway through the season that'll be on TV next year. So they've got this season that's about to premiere the first week mm-hmm. of June. In the can, and then, yep. And then they'll have another season that'll be on next year. And this isn't the first time, though, that they've said that Wentworth's coming to an end and then renewed it. So, look, I'm hoping that Wentworth continues for as many seasons as it can ever go for because it's a brilliant show. It's act- Australian actors at their best, and it's proof that Foxtel, with the right magic and the right formula, can do a brilliant job. So I think... Whilst, Joe, I think, you know, you have been let down by Foxtel and absolutely they needed to reprice their structure, I think there's been a certain arrogancy that Foxtel had because Mm -hmm. of the sport. And what I want to say ultimately is with hoping to save Foxtel, hopefully they can reinvest the money that they will, you know... Hopefully they can start spending their money better to value their audiences, not just the sport audiences. That's a really good point that you raised, Ben, because Foxtel really are in a predicament where they uh, are living in the outcome of their spending largesse, Mm. you know, uh, where we are at season eight, I think, of Wentworth that's about to drop, uh, which puts it, and for the number of episodes, outside any funding from the federal government to be able to continue that as a series. So now they they have to hold the can on all of that, uh, they're in the middle of a $1.1 billion deal with Seven and the AFL, uh, which they paid reportedly, I think it was $850, $900 million of, plus the debt that Brookie spoke about. And then, friends, there's this. Warner Media, owners of HBO, have given both Foxtel and Stan until early May to finalise their bids for a raft of its back catalogue content, including The Sopranos and Big Little Lies, as well as original content built for new streaming service, HBO Max. Foxtel's agreement with HBO still has two years to run, though at a hefty $100 million per year, it is understood the pay TV service is looking to a commercial free-to-air partner to share that load and content. With Zoe Samios reporting in the SMH today, that Seven were a suggested partner. Remember Presto? Vaguely. It's a challenging time for Foxtel to see any dilution in their library. While necessary to assist their debt management, it would surely be the final nail in the coffin for subscribers. 
All this while they rushed to deliver their version of a dedicated streaming service for drama rumoured to be called Binge, a partner to KO. Ben, do you currently subscribe to Foxtel and would you cancel the service if they lost its HBO content? Uh, yeah, I am a subscriber to Foxtel. I've actually been a constant subscriber to Foxtel for, oh gee, as long as I've been in my relationship with my partner. So I'd say 10 years. 10 years, um, congratulations. Thank you. It was anniversary. Oh, happy yesterday. anniversary. <laughs> when did you remember, you. Ben? At 10 o'clock at night when we were both sitting in our pajamas in bed. <laughs> and I loved his post. It said something like, uh, I'm going to be waking up three times in the night to him going to the toilet. That was so yep. romantic. <laughs> so romantic, to, Ben. <laughs> well, I look forward to waking up three times a night because you go to the bathroom with the worst bladder I have ever come across. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> um one word, Ben. Depend. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, not at that point yet, for goodness sake. Lisa Renner's been pushing him into those uh, those adult diapers, you know, for years. Anyway, <laughs> moving back to what yes, we're to talking Foxtel. about. I really enjoy Foxtel, but as we all know, I love Foxtel for the reasons that I think Brookie does and Mulk, I think you do too. Mm. We're not the ultimate sport fans. We enjoy Australian drama. We enjoy Australian content. And you know what's really interesting to me is if you think about it, Gogglebox is a really basic show and mm. it's rating its tits off and it doesn't rely on the same cast. It's proven that it can sort of recycle itself over. Wentworth's another one, which is a fairly basic idea. It's actually a reimagining of an old show, Prisoner, and also has proven that it doesn't need mm-hmm. to rely on the same cast, that the writing is there. I just, I just wish overall, as a Foxtel constant subscriber, that they could have you know, valued what it is that they, what a lot of us have been subscribing to for years, you know, and I don't, I probably am not smart enough to necessarily answer your question, Malk, about uh, the other network's involvement, but uh, they're my thoughts. Sure, Sarah. Now, in the States, Wentworth is shown on Netflix. So yep. obviously Netflix are purchasing from Foxtel. Mm, yes. Programming. So how much revenue are they getting from sharing the content that they're producing in Australia and then selling it overseas? Is it enough to at least cover some debt? Uh, look, uh, like it would be cents on the dollar by comparison. Uh, I think isn't Wentworth produced by uh, SBS? Fremantle? No. Fremantle is no, true. It might, yeah, it's no, Fremantle, Fremantle yes. Would Foxtel commission it? Yeah, but then what would be a division between who gets what money for whatever sort of sales? Yeah, that's it's crucial. Can, can I ask why it I, has to be so expensive, though? I mean, you're looking Foxtel. at $60 a box, or when you're oh. looking at other streaming services that are $12 a month. $100 why? million dollars a year to HBO. That's why it's so expensive. Mm. I really think that when we're talking about drama for you know the overseas content, mm-hmm. The two big things in play are Showtime, which Stan has, yes. which is part of CBS, and FX. We don't know what's that goes we with that. don't know what's happening with that. With, with that, and the other big one is HBO. So, does HBO want to kick off a bidding war between Foxtel and Stan? I'd say yeah, mm. if they're getting a hundred million already, or does it want to spend a whole bunch of money setting up HBO Max in? Australia, Great when you've questions. already got uh, a zillion other, you've got dominant f- dominance from Netflix and Disney. You've got Stan that is pretty powerful. I reckon if you're HBO, you just take the money and run. Yeah. Whereas HBO in the US is just now on Hulu because we have all internet TV now, and so we had Hulu, yeah. and it now it stars HBO and a bunch of other people are now all through Hulu, which is great. It was only like an extra couple bucks a month. But HBO Max, the originals and stuff won't land on Hulu. That's still a separate thing. Have you guys subscribed to that, Sarah? Uh, well, I'm trying to think because we have Amazon, we have Netflix, we have Hulu because now yep. it has everything. And yep. basically with the Apple TV, you just tell it what you want to watch and it sure. finds it somewhere. And then because now we have YouTube TV, yes. which is like your local channels, but it can also search for this was on this channel at this time and it'll actually pull it down for you. Yeah. So I can basically now watch any movie I want. And it just hits your credit card if there's a cost involved. Well, we just, if we look at it and it's like, you know, like a new movie and it's like $60, oh, sure, yeah. we're like, yeah, no. And so just go somewhere else. But you'll always find it. It kind of depends though, right? Because you'd pay money to watch that movie Contagion if you became obsessed with coronavirus. And 
you might pay to watch Game of Thrones because it's a worldwide blockbuster. Sure. But so much other stuff, it's kind of like, oh, take it or leave it. And you can yeah. get it in a lot of other places, as you've pointed out, Sarah. You really can. Yeah, like if you actually we... look for it, you can get it elsewhere. Well, and if you're in the um, wrong bit of the Apple TV, it'll tell you you have to pay for it. And so you back mm. out of that and then you go into the next bit and you search the whole thing and you'll find it for free. But when Foxtel started, when was that? Back in the uh, 90s? Yep. 1996. Remember the, the Bart Simpson, I want my Foxtel? Yep. None of that technology was available. So they had it all to themselves, as Joe said. Exactly. And, they, and they've monopolised that and they just need, you know, haven't actually kept up, I don't think with yeah, where greedy. services are at and it's unfortunate well, they down optus vision well, that's true Do you remember that fly by night pay tv service anyway no, and you're, the other you're thing right. sorry mark to just no. the other thing you can do is you know one of the great things they have is that the, you get five devices uh, the mm-hmm. foxtel go app which you can airplay on your tv so you yes. know you i found that we could airplay nrl games if we wanted them anyway that's a big mm. part of Foxtel's transition from the IQ locked service mm. that it had really for you know a couple of decades. The only way to get Foxtel was via the IQ and cable or satellite. And with Foxtel now, this is them trying really hard to transition into that streaming space because it's heaps cheaper to subscribe to Foxtel now and get effectively the same service yeah. with the only exception you can't record. So you have to lean on their on-demand catch-up stuff if you miss an episode. You can't and just as say, we pointed out, Malk, the other night, I, I, that's the one thing I really miss about Foxtel is not recording mm. and fast-forwarding through the damn ads. <laughs> oh, drive you insane, those catch-up apps. Look, they sure do. And, and Foxtel aren't the only multinational or big, big business that are facing some pressure around this. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg today announced plans by the Australian Federal Government to make online giants Google and Facebook pay for content. Hannah Ryan from BuzzFeed Australia reported the plan is to impose a mandatory code of conduct on digital platforms to address the imbalance in bargaining power between them and the media companies. It is understood all the detail will be revealed in July, magical July. In Australia's $9 billion online advertising market, Google grabs around 47% of that spend, Facebook gets 24%, and the remaining 29% is shared among other players. So the lion's share of that income goes overseas with little to no tax paid here. Sarah, what do you reckon the chance of the government having to get Google and Facebook to play along with these new rules? Uh, Good fucking luck. Um, (laughs) uh, because let's face it facebook does not pay taxes anywhere uh Mm. they got into trouble in some countries uh but you know they keep saying oh no no we're not based here we're based there we're not based here no (laughs) Uh, facebook is like the oligarch of like the, the new world global order and they will not pay anything um (laughs) <laughs> Google Google also owns the earth. I think the two are just like, you know, when you watch uh, like the Umbrella Corporation, that's what yes. they've become. So, uh, no, it's not going to happen. Thanks, Sarah, from I Conspiracy you... Theory Central. Brookie? <laughs> no, Sarah is totally correct. Mm. Uh, you go, you know, you go to Facebook and say, right, you pay for news. Facebook is going to offer a pittance. Yeah. It's going to be like what a singer-songwriter gets when they're... Uh, songs appear on YouTube. It's going to be you know point point zero one 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 percent for every thousand hits. Or you know what? Uh, they might do a deal with one outlet, say for the cheapest rate yeah. possible, and say to everyone else, "Well, we're not paying for you because we've got the Guardian." Because you, so you're, you're fake news anyway, and we're going to restrict anything yeah. you say if it doesn't go yeah. with our own central beliefs. And you know what? It's, uh, as if Mark Zuckerberg is going to be bossed around by Josh Frydenberg. I'm sorry. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's heartbreaking, not... though, isn't it, Brookie? But they, they, well, they tried this in I can't remember if it was France or Spain or maybe both, and Facebook just turned around and said, "Meh, well, we're shutting down Facebook News." You know what? All the people on our site just want to see cat videos anyway. (laughs) It's so heartbreaking. And I can actually, I have a very visceral memory of working in the Fairfax building at Piermont. We were on level four and five and Google took over what was level two. 
And I mean, it just got to the point where we were all hot desking. I mean, I think even my colour photocopying licence was revoked, which showed how <laughs> how they were trimming every extra cost. Um, and yet we could go into the Google building um, and they were all on their trendy little uh, scooters and whatever, uh, sneakers, and get the and most amazing hanging... spread for lunch. I mean, it's just... And had that hanging garden, that the the green hang- wall. It was just like this, uh, you know, ultimate slap to your face. But the unfairness of the digital playing field, um, it, local journalists just can't compete, compete and they just don't have any commitment to... You know, journalists, they don't employ journalists, they create no fresh content, there's no regulations, they don't pay any taxes, you guys have pointed out. They make unheard for profits by stealing other people's contents. It infuriates me that we can't make them accountable. It well, really does. Well, here's a question that I put to all of you guys. With News Corp announcing that they're going to launch Newswire in place of AAP, does this open the door for Foxtel, uh, for Foxtel, sorry, for Facebook, as Brookie kind of alluded to, to just become a customer of Newswire and only publish content from them and go, done. Only, it's still only going to be again if it fits what their narrative is. Yeah, and the other aspect being that Facebook might turn around and say, well, look, we, I, we are not taking this news content. Joe has posted this story. Yeah. Joe's posted her own story. And uh, she's posted For it, and free. Stephen Brook has liked liked it. So that's Joe's business. Mm. We're just the platform. Uh, what I really would hope above all is if they got taxed properly, because oh. they take so much money in terms of digital advertising, yep. and it gets sucked out, as Sarah mentioned, to where Singapore or Ireland or wherever they happen to be based. Yep. At the, at the moment, and it, it, it's just never taxed properly. And, and it's not just them, right? It's a, There are a whole bunch of companies, Qantas included, a heap of companies that are not paying their fair share of tax. Well, Qantas made a massive billion-dollar loss a few years ago and has been sort of... Right, yeah, but profit. that was mm, so, paper so loss. There's, so there's a... Well, the lo- loss is a loss. Uh, so they are different. They are based here. Mm. Uh, whereas, as Sarah said, Foxtel and Google in sort of digital no man's land. Oh, there's there's a number of companies, right? It's it's the Kerry Packer principle. You know how much tax you're paying. I am paying the right amount of tax. Uh, what you know that I legally need that's to. Right, that's right. As much as I need to. who just ran away with everybody's uh, superannuation. Look out! Well, before I turn this into a political podcast, uh, let's push on to something far more enlightening. Thank you for the conversation, friends. After the raging success, that was the first episode of the Ben, Rob and Robbo show today. You'd think they'd all be sitting back and resting on their laurels like our podcast uncle, but no. (laughs) Not only has co-host Ben made it for the podcast, he broke major Big Brother news on their very first show. Ben, would you care to share? Interesting that uh, you bring this up because this is a really um, funny backstory to this launch of the new series of Big Brother. Look, everyone's been talking about it. Channel 7 had, you know, ramped up their teasers. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of advertising, even on TV. So a lot of people are like, oh my God, Big Brother's coming sooner than we thought. Now, there was some leaked rumours and this one came from one of the suspected housemates. Still not confirmed and I guess we'll probably only know that once this person's actually in the show. But the rumour was that May 24th, which is a Sunday night, was going to be the launch of the show, meaning that uh, House Rules was going to be a lot shorter than what we expected. Yes. However, from internally, I was actually leaked just about 15 minutes before the Ben, Rob and Robbo show, show started that this will in fact be Big Brother launching Q3 for Channel 7. Wow. So it's official that's when it's happening. It has been locked away and it won't be changing from there. To be honest, I'm not TV au fait enough to necessarily know exactly what that date is that'll kick off the Q3. Um, mm. Malk, what what do you think? Is that July? Well, Q3 would be, the start is, is 1 July. The catch is, though, that it sounds like, given that we knew that their original intentions, Seven originally planned to have Big Brother run into the Olympics, um, mm. which was to be around that July-August time frame. And if they're now saying that they're pushing it to Q3, my guess is that they're trying to spread out the shows that they've got so that they can have content to fill, um, even though the quotas have changed, and we will discuss that later. Um, 
it doesn't surprise me that they've pushed it back because they have started the sizzle ads, but Absolutely. not kind of every night like you would suggest if it was coming in two or three weeks. You know, it just seems like a lot of pre-advertising for a show that's starting in July. However, I just want to clarify something. I'm not exactly sure what we have stated as what we originally heard, but for me... I was told when Big Brother was coming back that Big Brother was going to start straight after the Olympics. Uh, And that person that told me that was the same person who told me Big Brother in a warehouse, same person that leaked a whole lot of stuff that's turned out to be absolutely accurate. So, Mm. you know, to me, I think that, yeah, Channel 7 questioned whether or not the show should launch where they originally wanted it, straight after the Olympics. I think they realised that house rules from seeing the early footage of that was that it was weak. I think it's probably been moved three times, if that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, they've vacillated. There was so much stuff, wasn't there, that we knew was happening at the time and then changed and then changed again. Sonia was going to host and then she wasn't and then she's going to host again. Uh, and there's a story in The Australian about uh, a bit more detail on the Big Brother type of um, uh, challenges that are going to occur. And Sonia's quoted as saying that there will be a big resolution at the end of every single episode. Mm. I reckon, with my two cents worth, it's going to launch in June. Can I ask something? Sorry, because I'm not a regular on on here week in, week out. So they started taping, I know that. They're still in the house during COVID-19 or what happened? I don't even know. They were. It's wrapped now. Everyone's gone home. Everyone's gone home. So they had enough to create the show. Is that what has happened? They haven't done the final. Correct. Okay. They have the final two people that uh, have made it all the way through. Look, from right from the start, as soon as I was told Big Brother was coming back, I was told this. It's big, it's Survivor in a warehouse, which means that just like Survivor, there's a challenge every episode. And so they're going to churn through these guys pretty quickly. Yeah. It, it was told to me as well that I, th- I believe it was something like 16 housemates. So it's starting to all add up in a way where it's like, you know what? Maybe Big Brother was only ever going to be shot over these five weeks. Maybe they did wrap it up as quickly as they could. I think they did 100% go into overdrive and Mm. someone who was working on the show told me that. But that was more to do with making up for the poor content because apparently the housemates weren't that funny and they weren't delivering enough content and they forgot to record a finale, you know, an eviction. So, look, I think when it all comes down to it, there's been a lot of speculation about Big Brother and these are just some of the facts that I know. Sarah, what do you think? Um, I just have a very morbid question. Yeah. Um, with all of these shows uh, filming their endings before they film the show and mm-hmm. then coming back, or even Big Brother, which is delayed on air, what happens if one of these people dies from coronavirus before it goes to air? That is a great question. question. Isn't that like, like, oh, here's the winner of the yeah. show who's now dead? Welcome like, to the up late section of the podcast where we get dark. Just, it's a What's thing. It, I mean, what was it called a... when Heath Ledger got his Oscar? It's pros- oh, I can post- never... posthumous. Posthumous. Yeah. posthumous. I always call it prostate, but anyway, it's probably the wrong <laughs> thing. Must, there Not must have been a prostate award. <laughs> and I was like, a prostate <laughs> award for Brokeback Mountain? Oh, okay. Brookie. In some reality show somewhere on this earth, that scenario must have occurred, Sarah, mm. because there's just so many shows going around. I think... Uh, we're not TV networks, and thank goodness we don't have to answer those questions because that's the in the way too on, hard basket. Yeah, I'm very keen to see Big Brother. I'm very, very keen to see Big Brother. The uh, the only thing I'm I have tipping June about I'm tipping June. Yes, June, well, June. we'll see how we go. You heard it here first. Brookie's tipping June. We're here in Q3. Um, the the thing that had me concerned was in that article that you talk about, Brookie. Sonia is quoted as saying um, that the game has changed. Like that's. One of the most overused phrases. In fact, I think, if my memory serves correctly, I heard her say it when she was hosting it on Channel 9 and said exactly the same line. Yeah, exactly right. I was on that show. (laughs) The game has changed. Bullshit. I I can confirm that I, you know, that that was a part of it. They, when I auditioned for the show, the very first time I spoke to a producer for Big Brother, they said, you know what? The game has changed. And uh, Channel 9... (laughs) is bringing out a brand new Big Brother. And this is the funniest thing I've ever been told because it was so untrue. But they said, we are casting a bunch of very intelligent Australian Mm. people from all walks of life representing all of Australia. Enter Layla Subritsky. 
And I was like, when I got, so two days before I went in, I went and stayed with my uncle, who's the smartest man I know, because I thought maybe he could, you know, I could phony me being intelligent on the show. Because I think everyone who listens to this show knows that I'm not that bright. Anyway, I learned who the prime minister was. So you studied? I studied. And then I got in there and there was a girl that basically couldn't count. And uh, (laughs) the only person who was slightly ethnic was was one of the guys that had been in the sun all day because he was Lebanese and had a tan. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I think it's better to tell an audience that the game has changed to give them a reason to turn up, even if the game hasn't changed. The only show where the game has changed ever is Roseanne, where they changed the name from Roseanne (laughs) to the Connors. That's it. That's the only time it ever happened. It's the biggest thing. And and House Rules High Rise. I do like the fact there's a 61-year-old person in the house, though, this year. Yeah, I think that's great. But at this point, how old is Ellen now? She's 71, 72? Ellen? It's Ellen and Big Brother. Yeah, Ellen DeGeneres. Isn't she like 107 or something? Oh, no. Isn't she she a a guest host on MasterChef? I'm not saying Ellen's in the the house. I'm saying that (laughs) how Ellen looks. What what are you saying? Ellen is in her 60s. She's in her 60s. She's not in her 70s. So there you go. I mean, saying that a 61-year-old is in the house, if, like, when I was 10, that meant that somebody old with a walking stick would have walked in. At this point, 61 is what... That's that's just a someone else ready to have sex with somebody else. That's all that is. <laughs> and also, just to say, Brookie, uh, a winner of Big Brother was once a grandmother. So it's not exactly like the game has changed and we've got older people in there. There's already been older people in Big Brother and they can win. You know, well, people of age, people of diversity, people of sexuality. It doesn't matter who you are. You can still win that show. But it certainly doesn't mean that the game has changed. Friends, to pivot, the game has changed. Fremantle Australia has advised they're bringing the cast and crew of Neighbours back to work, but no kissing or holding hands. The ABC reports that all involved will be isolated into three distinct groups and camera trickery will be used to make physically distanced actors look more intimate. Many within the industry are excited with the model proposed, offering uh, hope to myriad other productions on forced hiatus. For Neighbours, if they did not resume production in this way right now, the show would run out of episodes mid-June. Sarah, would you be willing to go back to work with these kinds of limitations if it meant you started earning some cash? I am torn because I am um, very um, (laughs) corona-adverse. I have a very high... um, self-preservation instinct so i probably wouldn't but i do like to pay bills but that's why i married a, a rich guy with a ranch <laughs> yeah, in texas yeah. Make it rain, um, <laughs> yeah no i probably would not i mean i guess if i mean your 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 numbers are pretty low in australia so maybe it would be okay um but i'd probably be lysoling the air between shots it's a very interesting concept, isn't it? I mean, if, if the whole industry will be looking to see how to make that work. It's not unusual for soap operas to, you know, do camera trickery and, you know, I know even Days of Our Lives, etc. when someone dies, they just kind of mm. give them a, you know, they do all sorts of things, don't they, to keep the storyline going and, and viewers seem to just absorb it and accept it, you know, oh, they don't look different. Oh, they have plastic surgery. Okay, of course. But um, I think the whole industry, not only just in Australia, but around the world will be watching to see whether they can manage the health and safety risks um, (laughs) and figure out a way to resume it. it. Yeah. This is a great story from Michaela Boland at the ABC. This is, you know, seemingly the first TV Mm. production that can get back to filming so good for them. I bet Home and Away are having a look at this yes. and seeing and the block how they and all can. sorts of places, right? Uh, Home and Away obviously added uh, complication that it needs to talk to the local council to see if it can use the beach at Palm Beach. Mm. But uh, we have seen in various degrees of success how the local industry has pivoted mm-hmm. in the face of this virus, and there are some shows that are still going on, which are the more easily producible studio panel shows news production has not stopped i know the abc has a team a Mm. and team b and they work on completely separate days so there's a health issue for one of the teams the other one can pick up the slack i'm sure a lot of journalists and reporters are working from home and doing interviews via skype abc news breakfast band studio guests all done via skype you see a lot of that on the drum as well 
60 Minutes has kept going, even though it's, none of its staff can fly. So I think this is another example of some innovation and enterprise from neighbours. Can I ask um, a 60 Minutes question there, Brookie? Because I watched, obviously, Cassie, Cocaine Cassie last night. And I found it fascinating that they had them, you know, obviously everyone they were interviewing, whether it was Tara Brown or whoever, mm. they were at home on their laptops. But then they also had this fantastic camera in the house focused on them on their laptops. And yep. I thought, well, clearly there's a camera operator in each of their houses as well, including the subjects they were interviewing. Yep. Um, and I thought, well, this is a bit bizarre because we're trying to make out like we're all home officing and, you know, setting it up ourselves. yet we've clearly got a professional within less than a metre away from each person. Anyway, I do digress, sure, but I found but, but, it Sure, but, you know, the, 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 there was a general opt-out clause for if you had to go and work, you worked, didn't you? And the rules were meant to be slightly relaxed for if you're working. Who knows how they pulled off that special coronavirus live event with Lady Gaga and... Oh, clearly. I know. Without had filming. Lots of iPhone But they filming. had... But Charlie expert... wasn't even drumming. And he was drumming and the, the music playing, but he didn't have drums in front of him. Mind you, why doesn't he have drums in his house? I don't get that, but... The big question out of all of that, <laughs> don't tell me that Elton John moved his grand piano out into his courtyard on his own. <laughs> Yeah, but they would have Glenn twentyed the shit out of that before they, you know, got him on it. I mean, he's old. I will say, you know, neighbours, they're pretty much, they're prepared for how to deal with uh, coming back to production because I'm pretty sure they're just going to get the actors to do what they did with all their LGBTI actors or characters on the show for years. Because, Plus, like, well, a lot of social distancing, you know. They're, like, they never had any of the characters. Like, when neighbours had actually, first... Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. They would be like, oh, we've got a gate. Like, let's think about Melrose Place because I know how much Brookie likes me to mention this every week. Um, but, like, Melrose Place, they're like, Matt was gay on that show for seven seasons. We saw him kiss someone once. I've got gay friends. That's not how they shake hands. They get hot and heavy pretty damn quickly in real life. There isn't just I – I haven't, I haven't got one gay friend who has only kissed a person once in seven years. Like, come on. So when Neighbours comes back and the straight people aren't allowed to kiss, I'll be like, welcome to 1996 on Melrose Place. Gosh. Gosh. But I'll be happy if they can get back. And I know we're about to address this, but there wouldn't be many um, actors or anyone in the entertainment industry currently that wouldn't be, you know, hands up to resume work because a lot of those packages are very far from available to many what of them. What do they mean by three distinct groups? Well, from what I understand, they are going to have three sets and they are going to allocate the characters to the various sets. So if you are, you know, if you're in the Casamento family, then you're only you're going to be hot and heavy and raunchy. On the Casamento <laughs> set. It's all happening on the Casamento set. You're not going to be, you're not going down to, what's the cafe called? I can't believe I've forgotten it, but you know, Daffy's. you're not going to be going down to. Is Harold Bishop still on the show? I want to be in his house. <laughs> No, what was the resort? Lassiter's. So yeah. you're not going from the Casamento set to Lassiter's. Uh, so, and there are only going to be uh, one or two characters that go in between each different set. Are they incorporating COVID into the script and they're saying well, that they're they social distancing, be. or are they just they making must it be. weird? I don't know. They must be. I'm going. Well, they haven't said. I hope they be are because they're real life soap, so they kind of should. Well, yeah. didn't they Even say that they were introducing episodes. so didn't they say they were introducing or writing into uh the bachelor in australia yes. you know so yeah. you know the, what's happened with covid-19 imagine getting like auditioning for that show getting picked and then Lockie's the person who's the bachelor and then being told you're not allowed to go anywhere near him i mean that would just be heartbreaking that's too you're losses. going on a zoom date like you're going on a zoom, on a zoom date, date i'd Lockie. be like this is not what i auditioned for i'm like i'm I imagine want to go on a date where I get rubbed up and like down. That. I want a dry hump from Lockie. Imagine, you know? imagine auditioning and getting into the Bachelor and finding out that the Bachelor is Lockie. That's a loss in itself. <laughs> and now it's time for hatches and dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Mulk. Sad news last week. As <laughs> I know, I didn't read the script. <laughs> Sad news, <laughs> Sarah. Sarah, <laughs> please. Thanks, Mulk. You hunk of spunk. Thank you. 
Sad news last week as 79-year-old comedian Tim Brooke Taylor died due to the coronavirus. His career stretched nearly 60 years, most notably, most notably with Graham Garden and Bill Oddie as one of the goodies. I made my mother-in-law watch that this week. The rebooted series Party of Five, airing here on Friday nights on SBS Viceland, has been cancelled after one season due to lackluster ratings. The 10 Network have dived into the archives and released a smattering of episodes of Aerobics Oz style on 10 Play to keep us all fit while we're in COVID-19 directed lockdown. Tune in now for the best of 90s leotards, hairstyles and camel toe in a variety of Sydney locations from 25 years ago. You can get that on my Instagram, by the way. <laughs> Not the camel toe. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The 80s outfits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the 80s outfits. Thanks. Continue, continue, ignore that. <laughs> Steve, I've never seen you go so red. <laughs> Former two-time weather girl Steve Jacobs has been announced as the brekkie host on newly relaunched music stations 2UE954, Magic 1278, 4BH882 and 6GT and 6GT DAB+. I'm so thrilled to be back in the studio, said the computer that wrote this quote for Jacobs. I'm a huge fan of radio and can't wait to dive into the classics from the 70s to the 90s across our four music stations. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thanks, Sarah. Coming up, we discuss the pros and cons of the Australian government's media support package announced last week and why it suddenly became a great time to be a journalist. Also, Ben opens up the TV Black Vault to stuff in even more hot gossip from the Australian TV industry. But first, a promo for the new hit show, Two and a Half Gays. (laughs) I did love that line. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And Robin Robbo! Media executive Rob McKnight. Something brand new is coming to your social media feed. Big Brother winner Ben Norris. This is something bold and informative with a side of humour. And journalist David Robbo Robinson. It's truly going to be something different. The Ben Robin Robbo Show starts April 20. Go to tvblackbox.com.au slash BRR for more information. It's the Ben Robin Robbo, Ben Robin Robbo, Ben Robin Robbo Show. And Brookie, what do you got in the big issue this week? Thanks, Molk. It's only April, but let's call it. There'll never be a worse year for television than 2020. As you listen to this, there are 119 film and TV productions in shutdown. The cost, estimated at half a billion dollars. The industry has been screaming for the government to act, and last week it did. Now, the government can't kill the coronavirus, but Communications Minister Paul Fletcher granted an extra $54 million for TV, radio and regional media. He also suspended children's and drama quotas for the year and flagged that that might even last into next year as well. Also, free-to-air networks were released from paying Spectrum tax, saving $51 million. And with regional newspapers shutting down before our very eyes, the government increased the Regional Journalism Investment Fund to $50 million. So, yes, the shutdown of production that we have been discussing was brought about by the coronavirus, but there have been a lot of underlying problems in the free-to-air TV industry over the last 10 years. No one's watching children's programs on commercial networks. Regional newsrooms are shutting down all over the place. Facebook and Google are sucking up the ad dollars. 
and the coronavirus is making a lot of businesses very jumpy, leading to an increasing loss of local ad dollars. Malk, some people think the government initiatives will save the news industry but kill drama. What do you think? Brookie, this has definitely tied uh, a DNR to the foot of Australian drama, there's no question. Uh, at least in the short term. You know, we, we know already of networks that are pushing drama that they've already got into next year, uh, most notably Seven, with its uh, big uh, budget um, uh, show from Bevan Lee, Between Two Worlds, will not be seen in 2020, as they were expecting no, to. No, no, I think it will be. You reckon? I do reckon. Well, th- I think that... I think RFDS, you know, the big... Yeah, but that's because uh, he barely got a flying like a frame shot. Yes, that will have to go next year, but I think we will see Between Two Worlds this year. Well, look, it Josh, will I'm be disagreeing with right? everyone this... I'm disagreeing with everyone this you episode. Are, you're such a bitch. Seven are having their worst case... I'll bet you a bottle of champagne, Malk. There you go. Bring it on. Well, it's got good stuff, too. The person that I know that would know suggested to me that Seven will be holding that over until next year. Because A, coronavirus and all of this quota stuff, they don't want to waste it. And B, their ratings are in the toilet. They don't want to put up what is, you know, their biggest thing coming in a year where the best thing that they're pulling in primetime is their news. And after that, it flatlines until about 650, 1,000, five city metro. And that is not what they want to see get. But if it's going to rate, why wouldn't you but show will it? it? That's the question. Seven have the stink of failure on them now. And that's really working against them with a whole bunch of programming. Sure, House Rules is up on My Kitchen Rules, but 600K is not winning when your nearest rivals are doing double that. Mm. Like a, they're doing still, a million. Like, and also six, Lego 600K Masters. Is, is pretty good against 2 million viewer shows. At 7.30, that's nightmarish. Everything falls away for 7 after that. Just a quick question to everyone around, you know, around the room, you know, but with these choices that they made, let's just put coronavirus to the side, but with the choices that Seven made with MKR and House Rules, weren't those shows already really poor, washed out, dodgy formats anyway? Like, weren't the ratings already going to be pretty bad? Why couldn't they have just like quickly d- ditched that and then focused on, you know, telling some more news, like different ways of telling the news. Like, I think that probably would have been a wiser investment. Like, I feel like with House house Rules, they could just, you know, move into telling more news stories rather than trying to finish that series. Well, it's some I catches think- on House Rules, though, right? They already committed with so many, like, advertisers built yeah, into partners within the series. They have to show out those episodes and commit to that. I guess that also gets away from the fact that we're. I guess that also gets away from the fact that we're talking about what's going to happen with Australian drama. And I think you know, with a lot of things like you know what's happening with Virgin, you know, there's a lot of places that the government's going to have to look at to try and get things back on the road. And we're all going to have to prioritize ourselves because we're not all millionaires on how we're going to spend our money on what we're going to rescue. So when it comes to drama, for me, I am obsessed with Australian drama. I I love it. It's mm. my favourite thing. I will choose Australian drama over anything else on television. I will choose scripted drama over reality TV any day of the week. And so I hope that ScoMo uh, looks into reinvesting money back into the television industry to make sure that those scripted dramas get back on the road. And when it's on, so we should good watch news, it. The good news is Nine has just renewed Dr. Doctor. Yep. And they've just commissioned a new drama, like this sort of week, yep. I think, called The Midwife. That's from Playmaker, who made House Husbands. Yes. Uh, Seven, obviously, they're trying to get home and away back. Uh, Royal Flying Doctor Service, they can't make it because of the coronavirus. That'll be there for next year. Uh, Australian Gangster, remember that? Yeah. That was their big new crime drama that they have not been able to show for years because it's tied up with a criminal matter. Guess what? Coronavirus has delayed the trial oh, again. So that series will literally be four years old by the time we get to see it, oh, if then. I think so. But, you know, we go back to Blue Murder. They couldn't mm. show it, the ABC in Victoria, because of those those trials. Ten, we've got The Secret She Keeps on this week. Five Which rooms is really in, good. Uh, is in shutdown. Neighbours back soon, as we've been discussing. Mm. So there is signs of life, but we are correct 
in that we are never going back to the old Australian drama and children's quota so system. Bad. And children's is really going to suffer. Joe, before mm, I, I, this big government announcement, we knew that Seven had pulled production of children's programmings and the networks will just be out of showing kids' drama as, as soon as they absolutely can. Should we leave children's programming just up to the ABC and SBS? Look, it's a tricky one, Brookie, because my kids are older now, but I know I did rely heavily on uh, children children's content in their earlier years. Having said that, I think the – what's that saying? The horse has bolted. Mm. Kids this day and age are watching YouTube and TikTok and they are not tuning in regularly for shows. Yeah. Um, so I think – Children's drama is kind of dead in the water in that in that way because people aren't watching it. There are some good ones that stand out, like Dance Academy. I remember H two O. They sort of had a cult following, uh, but I don't believe that children's drama is being yeah, watched in the same way it was. How did they get to get that cult following, Joe? How did they get that cult following? They invested. They were good bloody shows. Yes, That's they were. Right. They put good people in them. Good they actors. Wrote well. Yep, 100%. And I do think it's alarming for Australian drama and, and children's, uh, you know, content, what broadcasters will, you know, try and use these new things put in place no for COVID-19. No investment means we lose. Yes. And if there is no firm uh, clause put in place to bring it back, uh, yes, will it be abolished? Probably Having said that, will the streaming services have to? Will there be new rules in place for content on streaming services that they have to produce? But I did want to. No, I am. No, you go. You asked me a question. No, no, no. Ladies first. No, no, no. I want to shout out at the end to something else. But you finish on. um, You go, Brookie, because I did ask. Well, in answer to Mm. your question, ACMA, which is the Mm -hmm. regulator, and Screen Australia, which is the funding body, have released an options paper about the future of quotas and there's four models first one is we go back to the status quo and we keep the drama for the free-to-air networks and also for the children's content the second model is that we adjust the system but keep the system but start to make the streaming services agree Mm -hmm. to set aside a proportion of their funding for local content model three is very radical it is to completely upend the system, give a percentage or, or force the broadcasters and the streaming services to give a percentage of their revenue to a special new local content fund that Screen Australia administer and each network goes to and streaming service goes to Screen Australia and says we want to do this drama, will you give us funding for it? It's a great solution, they'll just... never do it pack off children's content to the ABC and SBS. And the fourth model is you just scrap everything and you let the market decide, maybe with some tax incentives for local production. So Sarah Monaghan, congratulations. You've just been hired Mm. as a senior advisor to Communications Minister Paul Fletcher. What advice are you going to give him in your very frank style about which option to go for? I think that there's a lot of fluff on Australian TV because I think if you force people to make a certain amount of content, they'll make some that's brilliant and then they'll just fill in the rest with just kind of shit. Dross. So I figure dial it back a bit. So if you've got to have, say, 20 hours right now, let them do 15 or even 10, but maybe that'll force them to make really good stuff um, because now they can concentrate and focus on, I'd rather have a smaller pie that tastes really good than have a buffet of just shit. Why would they so, not just give you the shit? Pie I love that of a buffet a of pie? shit. No, I do love that, Sarah. So uh, Ben, yeah, are, are you are you uh, are you an overeater or are you modest? Are you a gourmand or are you a monster, a, a buffet monster? I think I've been lost in the analogy. I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't. Know. I'm not hungry for shit. Which oh, which <laughs> option do you want? Which model do you want? One, two, three, or four? Pick a box. Well, I, I always will go. Um, I don't know. I actually look. I honestly don't. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. You're gonna have to edit me out of that because, like, I I did get completely lost in the lingo of what we were talking about there. So I'm sorry. Malk, have you got a solution for us? I, I thought that the third model that they're suggesting is actually a really smart compromise. Like you said, it is a radical change to the whole process. 
However, it does mean that an existing body that currently hands out a whole bunch of funding anyway gets to continue, in fact, broaden the opportunity. Um, the concern that I raise with Sarah's solution is that if you say to the networks that reduce your 20 hours to 10, why would they give you 10 hours of good? Why would they not just give you 10 hours of the shit stuff? Because that's easy. The cheapest. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, people have got pride in their work. And good stuff attracts eyeballs. We've clearly yes, seen absolutely. with the with the dramas that are on streaming services, which you can do because they're of the economies of scale with them. But also, it's going to attract advertisers. Let's not forget that Netflix loses billions of dollars a year. Yes. I think it's oh, the nature of. Still. I thought I was going to say. I think it's the nature of the beast when it comes to making any kind of content on television. And if you ask anybody, no one sets out to make a bad TV show. No director mm-hmm. sets out to direct a bad movie. No actor subs- you know, signs on to play a bad role. You know, I think that a majority of the time you throw a bit of money at something, half of it, the it works out, the quantifying it this way, that half of it turns out to be quite good and half, if you're lucky, and half of it's quite poor. I think that what Sarah said, you know, a little while back about there being a lot of fluff, I think the the silver lining out of this whole COVID-19 probably will be culling a lot of that fluff and hopefully that is the case. Um, But I think ultimately the message that needs to be brought across is that it's important to tell stories about Australians. It's important to tell them well. Mm -hmm. And I hopefully, you know, for people sitting at home, you know, that are a little bit narrow-minded, sometimes it's a good way of being able to give them a good kick in the pants and show them, you know, more exciting things about life. And that is from telling, that is from making good television. All right, so she's waited very patiently. The last word to Ms. To Joe. <laughs> They're going to say Miss Cameltoe. Um, so- <laughs> no, I was going to say Miss House. I was going to say Real Housewife of Maruba. Now I will never see your name the right way again. Oh dear. Uh, edit all of that no, out. So anyway, Joe, final word to and you. And nicely to tail end you there, Ben, and also to address uh, Malk, I think you said in the intro, <clears throat> it's good news for journalists. Well, it's about time in terms of regional media. On a personal note, <clears throat> I have worked and uh, been with my now closed local community newspaper for a number of years, which I've loved dearly. Um, I also work with the regional newspapers around New South Wales, Queensland and the Northern Territory, uh, which many of them have been shut due to COVID-19. And I will say this, to see those doors closing has left my heart really heavy because it's not till you're in those communities do you see how integral they are to that community. They are the lifeline for many businesses, for many of the people within those environments. Um, And to see those close is devastating. So to see that there's an injection um, of money going into regional newspapers, I, I applaud because... You know, for more than a decade, I've watched as broadcasters, filmmakers, publishers, local content creators cry out for help. Um, And it's just wonderful to see if this money does go there because the worry is Australian communities have a right to have a voice. Um, It's important for... Yeah, I was going to say, Joe. on top of that, like Mm. from working in a regional environment, I worked in regional radio for three years, Mm. was it's so important for the mental health of regional people to see their lives... um, um, represented in the media and like quite often would mm. I find by being in a regional area the more you took away localised content mm-hmm. the more infuriating and depressing I think it is and how irrelevant it makes people feel so I think you know that's the most important thing about the mental health of Australia is making sure that we continue to represent them in media right across the board have it be in journalism have it be in scripted drama I think yep. what we need to understand is the importance of art and how important art is to people and if you take that away from any community any society you're going to find uh that there's going to be a lot of problems that come up yeah ben such an important point to make that closes out Mm -hmm. our discussion now for something completely different here's ben (laughs) did you just intro my segment yep yeah. Oh, am I still talking? Oh my God, that's what my partner says to me every day. Are you still talking? <laughs> so uh, I'm kicking off the. Am I kicking off the black vault? Yes, you are. Oh God, you can see that I've not had enough sleep today or in my life ever. So kicking off our first part of a uh, bit of gossip. 
feel free for people who hear these three things today to slide into my DMs and, and guess them. I have noticed that when people slide into my DMs, they often get them right, which defeats the whole purpose on, you know, <laughs> guess who, don't sue, because they guess who, and then I tell them, and then they try and sue me. Anyway, uh, number one. <laughs> A certain reality TV contestant is apparently reeling from a baby scandal that's resulted in him losing his job. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Who cares? You're fired. (laughs) Wow. It's actually really bad when I heard that story, but I still have to laugh. Number two, a previous maths contestant has been telling people that he was in the new series of Big Brother. What the hell is this person going to say to people when it turns out he's not? Because it's not true. This is the psychopath from last year, isn't it? Look, I think in all some some ways they're all psychopaths. But yeah, anyway, I've got all of them. <laughs> well, that's just and, weird. Yeah, why would anyone do that? It seems bizarre to me. Anyway, number three, a series regular on a popular chat show noticed that they were being promoted as a friend of the show. Of sorry, I'll start that again. A series regular on a popular chat show noticed that they were being promoted as a friend of the show on socials, which is really confusing for them because producers haven't been returning their calls in about three months. <laughs> Jeepers. Does anyone have any guesses? Do we want to go any guesses? Because I can't give you the answers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't? Um, I'm stumped on all of those. I know. Come I, on. I, is, is it NASA, the guy, the, the Bondi Beach, you know, Paparazzi, stalking psychopath that oh, was on Maps psychopath. last year. Right, right, right. That is that second guy that says, oh, I'm on Big Brother. Yeah, well, the, interestingly enough, my partner's not the biggest viewer of television and he's not very good at remembering pop culture type things. But originally when I wrote those uh, and he picked them up straight away, he was like, oh, I think that's this one and that's this, this, this one. This. So, wow. so, yeah, they're a little bit easy this week, I would say, if you if you try and think about it. Well, Ben, every week you come. Remember, friends, all of this is under the, the great uh, badge and umbrella of allegedly. Um, so it is guess who, don't sue. Who knows? It could just be made up. Let's pretend that it is. That has been the TV Black Box for another week. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe Casamento. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, Sarah Monaghan, thank you. Thank you for constantly plugging allegedly the book, which is still available on uh, Apple Downloads. You can get that for discerning readers. Ben Norris, thank you, allegedly. Thank you for letting me be a part of TV Binge Box. It's been so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Brook. Brookie, thank you so much. Thank you, Molk. It's A, got to be French, and B, I don't like Mowat. Copy that. Um, And I have been your host, Steve Molk, probably for the last time this season. A good night. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Molky Molk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.